morning. This is a new year, and as long as we begin the new year, we might as well begin the new year right. Oh, very good. Not quite as sharp as the first question I was asked, but um, uh, you're, you're, you're learning. As long as we begin the, the new year together, we might as well begin it right. And uh, what I'd like to do this morning is, uh, is find, uh, look at a passage uh, from 2 Timothy. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy. If you don't have one, just pull one from the chair in front of you or behind you, and you can look at the passage. You know, uh, uh, many of you know that uh, my family had opportunity after Christmas to get away for a while. We're up in Big Mare uh, Mountain, and we uh, had the opportunity to run some trails and uh, do some snowboarding. It's amazing when I came home, uh, the questions, the responses I had from people who saw me, and they, they asked me a couple questions. First of all, they asked me the question, did you get lost? And secondly, did you break anything? Now, I understand why you asked me those questions when I come back from vacation. Just, this makes no sense to me. But um, didn't break anything, didn't really get too lost, and had a great time as uh, we had time together as a family. But thinking about uh, January coming and the first uh, Sunday in uh, 2014, and isn't it difficult to write 2014 on checks or letters or whatever it might be? You keep putting 2013 is that as we begin a, a new year together, we, we do want to begin it right. And so as I was thinking about our ministry as we begin uh, the year, uh, we are starting our new uh, life groups uh, in uh, Janu- the week of January 19th. And so we're going to have a couple Sundays before we get back in our series in the book of Ephesians. And as we've gone through the, the book of Ephesians, we kind of ended with seeing Christ in the church. And that's really the first three or four chapters. And Beginning in January, January 19th, we're going to be looking at seeing Christ in the home. And this is where we live, isn't it? In the home. And whether you are as a single living in the place where you live, or whether you have multiple children, or whether you have an empty nest, or whatever it might be, that God wants us to see Christ in us where we live. And then we'll be going looking at seeing Christ in where we work. Uh, But this morning, I, I want to look at beginning the new year right and as many of you know, in our family, we have four children. And our first child that God gave us as a gift was, was a boy, a son, and we, we chose to name him Timothy. And one of the reasons we chose to name him Timothy is because Timothy means one who honors God. And as we looked, uh, as God granted us other children, and we had a daughter who we loved deeply, and then we had our second son, and I was so tempted to call him Second Timothy. You know, there's a first Timothy and a second Timothy. Because if you have one son that honors God, you might as well have two sons that honors God. But then I realized that might not work because if God gave us a third son, which we did, there is no third Timothy in the Bible. I, could have, I guess I could have called him first, second, and third John. Uh, but, and that's, John means God is gracious or God, the gift of God. Uh, but as we think about what our church is all about, our church is, is purpose to be a church that honors God. Honors God by helping people, helping people particularly become more fully devoted to Jesus Christ. Well, how does that happen? How does that happen where we become a people that does bring honor to God? And, and we are a people who honors God actively by, by seeing people around us as not just things or objects or people to be used, but people to be helped and, and pointed in the right direction. Well, for that to happen, we have to have God working in us. And there's so many things in our lives that can defeat us. It can be the the loss of loved ones. It can be changing in your whole financial picture. It can be some struggles in your 
family and friendship circles that you have. It, it, it can be, even within your own life, in fact, that's usually where the battle comes and rages the most, where as you desire to, to move out, you, you're, you're filled with so many things that seems to pull you back. Well, this morning we're, we're going to be looking at, at a man who, who challenged a younger man, and as he was challenging him, he was not only preaching the message but he, to the to one who was going to be reading it, but also he was preaching to himself. Because he was at a point in his life where, where it was not filled with what we would normally say was filled with hope or, or, or a sense that, that good times were coming. As I've had you turn to 2 Timothy, it, I had you turn to 2 Timothy, and of course before 2 Timothy was written, the book of 1 Timothy was written. And when Paul wrote to his beloved son in the faith, the, the initial personal letter, and we're going to lead somebody, else, somebody else's mail today. Uh, basically, these are the personal letters of the Apostle Paul written to, to people he knew deeply. But he, when he wrote the, the first letter, he was, he was in a, a point in his life where he was filled with a sense that God was going to, going to continually use him and empower him to do great and mighty and significant things in life. And all of us, as we pursue life, and we talked about that at Christmas, that we want to pursue joy. And, and when Jesus came, he promised that he'd bring joy to the whole world. We, we want to experience God's fullness in life. But we also want to live life that, lives that are significant, that make a difference. And Paul, who could say, I rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice, also wanted his life to matter. And as he wrote First Timothy, it's interesting, he wrote that particular uh, letter. He, he had just been uh, you know, released from prison. Some say he was in prison, some say he was out of prison, probably coming out from prison. And, and as we think about that, uh, he, he believed that he was going to be set free, that, that God had something new and fresh for him in the future. But when he wrote 2 Timothy, he was now in prison for the second time. And, and now he's in a period of time, because of Nero's persecution and because the the indictments on his life and where he was now in prison, not in house arrest, but in a, in a dark dungeon, now not free to move around, but now in chains, that he really didn't really anticipate that he would ever be released from prison, that he was really facing death. And as he writes these words to someone who is on the outside, who was doing the things he used to do. In fact, he was pastoring Timothy, the church that, that Paul had founded in Ephesus. He, he was speaking to him to say, hey, the rest of your life, I want you to do it right. None of us know how long we're going to live. But what God wants us to do is take whatever time we have and do it right. Let's look at the words that, that Paul shared with his son in the faith. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And we're, we're really only going to focus on one verse. I, I was tempted to do it on two verses, but we're going to focus on one verse. But let's, let's get the background of the context of it. 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Paul, an apostle, a sent one from God, of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. And again, he, he's talking about life, even though he is filled with restriction in his life. He's now in chains, in a dark, cold dungeon of a, of a prison. 
grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And we've talked about grace so many times. What is grace? Grace is understanding that we have God's undeserved favor. No, no matter what we're going through at this time, it's better than we've what? Deserved. He says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers. And so here's an individual who who really had much to not be thankful about. Here here he was a type A personality, always on the move, always on the go, always talking to people, always wanting to get things done. And now he could do very few things. And yet he was filled with thanksgiving. And he's filled with prayer, not so much for himself, but for others. I remember you in my prayers and remembering Timothy night and day, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Now, I'm tempted to stop here for a moment. I just want to let you know that it's all right for people who are pastors sometimes to have what? Tears. I'll just move from there, but I'm just following the example of the Apostle Paul when sometimes I get things in my eyes, all right? And it, it, it's, but it's tears not just with with sorrow and grief, but with joy because of the people in his life that matter. Verse 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. So he's, he's speaking to, again, Timothy, who was a pastor of a church, a church that he once pastored. And he said, I want you to understand that I know that you have faith and your faith is genuine. The word here for genuine is an interesting word. It, it really, it, it is the negative of a word that is a negative word. It, it's, it comes from the word uh, hypocrite. You know, some people say they believe, but, you know, it's a hypocritical type faith. But he uses the alpha uh, beginning of that word, which means the negative of it. Like a theist is a person who believes in God. An atheist is a person who, what, doesn't believe in God. And he said, you are not hypocritical in your faith. You are a non-hypocritical person. You have a genuine faith, which, interesting enough, first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. And I throw this out too. We've just finished a, a season of celebrating the birth of Christ, but also it's a season filled with family getting together and friends coming together. And we see Timothy marked not only by his relationship with the Apostle Paul, but it's marked also because of his relationship to his family, his mother and his grandmother. And so I want to say as we begin the year right, no matter where your age is, I want you to understand that, that God still has a role for you to impact the lives of others. In fact, I think it's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. It says of, of Timothy that he was taught the scriptures early in his life from his mother and his grandmother. In fact, interesting enough, if you look at it contextually, and this is all for free before we get to the message, right? It's, it's inter- interesting. It's really a statement about why we have children's ministry. Because we, we st- try to influence children for Christ before they become a, a Christian. Even in the nursery, we, we're trying to point them toward Christ. We, we teach them the Scriptures, even though they don't know the author of the Scripture. And, and when Timothy was taught the Scripture, at that point, we're not even sure that Lois and Eunice f- fully were people who had come to faith. They were devout Jews that maybe were saved under the, the covenant of the Old Testament, but they didn't really know about Jesus until later when Paul came along. But they taught him the Scriptures so that when he heard about Jesus, he was prepared to believe. 
but I digress. <laughs> this faith was first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice who came to faith and then they were used with me to influence you to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And, and let, me, let me say this for free in terms of background too. It's interesting as we see Paul encountering this family. He encountered them on his first missionary journey. As far as we can put the pieces together, they came to faith in, in his first missionary journey. Well, he came back later, and Timothy, who was probably a young man, probably in early in teens, when he came back the next time, Timothy went on the second missionary journey. And so I already talked about the mothers here, and you can also say the fathers, and the grandmothers, you can also say the grandfathers. But we could also say about the young people here. Timothy went on his first missionary journey when he was in his teens or early 20s. So as we begin the new year right, we need to understand that God wants to use people of all ages. It's not, it's not until you grow up that God wants to use you. He wants to use you now. And he used Timothy immediately, almost after he came to faith in Christ, to do something significant for the cause of Christ by using his gifts and his availability to tell other people about Jesus. And now he had put him in a position of being the pastor of the church that, F, that Paul used to pastor. But now, but now he was, as we'll see, implied in the passage and not stated in the passage, he, he's filled with some, some doubts. He, he, is, he is starting to take some steps back rather than steps forward. And there's reasons for that because of the, the challenges in his church, the challenges in the community around him the persecution that was beginning to be raging through the Roman Empire. And, and he was beginning to wonder, to, <laughs> should, should I just like, just maybe not be so fanatical about my faith? And Paul says in verse 6, and again, he began this whole challenge that we're going to see here with a, a statement. I know you've got the real faith. I know you've got the real faith, the genuine faith, not the hypocritical kind, but the real faith. And then he says in verse 6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. And then it was formally uh, uh, confirmed for the laying on hands of, of, of the elders and God's people. But, he's, but he says this, I, I want you to stir up the gift that God has given you. Really, that's kind of this colorful language to say this. What God has given you the ability to do, you've got to continue to do it. And not just half-heartedly. You need to stir it up. The stirring up here is the idea of, of, of seeing a, a, you know, a spark in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a campfire or whatever it might be and begin, beginning to fan the flame. You need to take that which people can see flickering and, and need, you need to build it up so it becomes a, a roaring light for God. And, and so again, as we think about beginning the year right, it, it's saying, look, look, whatever gifts and abilities and talents, whatever, however God has designed you, you need to stir it up. You need to take those embers and poke it a little bit and, and fan it and say, God, I, I know I, I'm starting to slow down here, but I don't want to slow down. I want to take whatever time I have left and use it for you. 
Now, as he's saying that to Timothy, I'm sure Timothy, uh, Paul's saying, yeah, now where am I at right now? And, and, and I'm sure Paul's saying, okay, even though I don't have what I used to have, freedom to go wherever I want by the Spirit of God leading me, even though I'm restricted now, I'm going to still use whatever opportunities I have in this prison to be used of God. And of course, one way he could use that, whoever was chained to him was going to get at what? An earful about the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stir up the gift that God has given you. Later on, this passage says, and do the work of an evangelist. Whether you are gifted to be an evangelist, tell people about Jesus. So now, as Timothy's reading this letter, he said, oh, no, this is number one of Paul's sermon. I don't want to hear it again. <laughs> because he doesn't, he doesn't know what I'm really going through at the moment. I'm not him. And sometimes we, we struggle because we think, well, yeah, if I was like that, if that was how God had wired me, I, yeah, I would do that, but I'm not the Apostle Paul. And so what Timothy gets now from Paul is not a word of exhortation, not a challenge, but a promise. And this is what he says. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Why should you stir up the gift? Why should you fan the flame of what you can do for God? Because of Verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So what I want to talk about this morning, this is all by way of introduction, is what has God given us to begin the new year right? We've just come from a season in which we have received gifts and we have given gifts. And the, the, the best uh, way to show appreciation for gifts is to use the gifts that God or other people have given you. And so what, what Paul does to Timothy, he says, I want you to tell you what God has given you. Not what God will give you, but what God has given you. And I, I want you to use it and experience it and, and, and take the years you have left in life and do it right. Well, let's try to break down some of these simple things that he, he has put in this promise. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. As we begin the new year right, we want to go through this year living without what? Fear. Now, why is that so critical? Why do he almost began with the negative before he talked about the positive? Because if we don't get this settled, then the, the promises that God has given us in a, in, a, in a directive way won't be utilized because we're so overwhelmed by the restrictions that fear invades our spirit. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now, what is fear? In fact, it's in, let me just say this. It's interesting, the whole, it, it, it would have been interesting to, just to do a, a Sunday on what the Bible says about fear. In the Christmas story, over and over again, when an angel appears, the first words out of his mouth is, do not be afraid. Now, why does someone tell someone else, whether you're an angel, and an angel is a messenger, and a messenger is either a heavenly messenger or an earthly messenger? I've told you before, it, it, you know, some people go, what, what should I call you? I say, you can just call me Mike. Some people call me Pastor Mike. Uh, 
Actually, you can just call me a messenger. You can call me a messenger boy. That's all I am, a messenger, a person who gives out God's message. Okay? But as, as you think about why does someone give someone else a message of do not be afraid? The reason is because that person in that moment is what? Afraid. And, and so you're thinking, well, how do, how, do you, how do you change an emotion or a, a, you know, a, a sense in your life when you're filled with, with dread or, or you're filled, whatever sentiment we want to use, you're, you're scared, you're, you're, you're thinking, I cannot do, handle what's coming next. And how do you just change that? You just turn a switch? Well, I think the emphasis here, and I remember, remember back in the olden days where they had those shirts, it was no, what? No fear. Well, again, great, great slogan, but how, how do you have no fear? It doesn't just happen by putting on a t-shirt. Well, I think what we need to understand is, is what kind of fear or what we allow that fear to do in us. The most common word for fear in the New Testament is, is a word that we use in our own culture. It's, it's the word phobos from, what we, from which we get phobia. And a phobia, um, most of the time when we use the word phobia, it's, it's in a negative light. But in the New Testament, it's used in a variety of different ways. There can be a healthy fear and there can be an unhealthy fear. The only time in the New Testament in which the word translated here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 uh, for fear is used is in this particular verse. It's dahlia, which doesn't mean anything to us other than it's a word in the Greek that can be translated fear. But this word is only used for negative fear. And really what he wants to say, anything that you feel that is overly limiting to you, that you cannot handle, you need to understand that kind of fear did not come from God. We know there is a positive type of fear because in Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. There is a place that we are to have a healthy fear of God, which means that we are responsible to Him, that He calls the shots, that we are accountable to Him. We need to, to think what we ought to do in a situation because he is looking upon us. And, and we have healthy fears in other parts of life as well. If, if I'm standing next to the Grand Canyon, all right, and, and I'm, I'm on the edge like this, and I've got half my feet over, that you would say that Mike is now being very, very foolish, right? Because I, there should be a healthy fear when you're on the, on the, on the, on the side of a cliff and you're just, just about to fall over, right? And so God wants us to have a healthy fear of Him, that we are accountable to Him, that, that He is calling the shots, and that we will be responsible for our actions and our attitude toward Him. But what He wants us to realize, the other type of fear, which causes us not to do the things that we know we need to do or should do, but it restricts us because we're afraid of the outcome or our ability to do it, He said, that should not be part of your relationship with me because I never give you that kind of fear. Whatever I call you to do, I will give you the ability to do. Let me give you an example. In fact, um, one of the things that would be good for you is to, to pick out verses that are helpful for you in particular areas of your life. One of the ones that I particularly like in the area of fear is found in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. And I want to, I've, I've memorized in a different translation, so I want to read it in the New King James. 
This is what First John, uh, Josh 1.9 says. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now in Joshua, Joshua, <laughs> there was reasons for God's message to, to him was don't be afraid. Because he was now going into the promised land in which the greatest leader ever of, of that era and you could say in almost any era of, of history, Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land to conquer the nations that they were now going to be uh, living uh, in their land that had been promised to them. And he was filled with a people that were stiff-necked, they were stubborn, they often ran from opposition, and he was to lead them into battle. And so he was afraid. He was afraid to be compared to Moses. He was afraid to be uh, leading them into uh, dangerous territory. He was afraid to, to be able to lead a people who didn't want to be led. He felt totally incapable. But he says, what I want you to understand, that kind of fear which would keep you from doing what I've called you is not for me. But in the midst of a normal fear... I want you to understand that you can be courageous. You can choose to do what you know you need to do. And the reason you know you can do it is because I promise you I will be with you. So what's the point? The point is we, if we're going to begin the new year right, whatever, whatever you are fearful about, Understand if it's that fear that will keep you from doing what you need to do, that fear is not from God. If it is a, we'll call it a normal fear, because there's a challenge, there's that, that sense of I don't know what's going to happen next, I don't know based on past experience how well I'll do, I want you to understand that, that God will give you the ability because he will always be with you to go through those fears. Uh, what, I, what I'd like all of us to do, write, write down any fears you have entering into 2014. Maybe it's graduating from high school. Maybe it's deciding what you're going to do after you get out of high school. Maybe it is dealing with physical challenges. Maybe it's wondering what, what the next doctor's appointment is going to tell you. Maybe it's living place. Maybe it's dealing with addictions, whatever it might be. Just write. Maybe it's simply talking to your neighbor about Jesus. Maybe it's even making that commitment to believe in Jesus now. Maybe, maybe whatever, whatever, what is that fear? Maybe to be the, the parent God wants you to be or the grandparent God wants you to be. Maybe it's using your gifts for God. Maybe it's leading a life group. Maybe it's... What is it that you're, uh, you're afraid of as, as we begin 2014? Maybe it's never having a life partner. Maybe it's being single the rest of your life. Maybe it's... What, what is that fear? It could be things that you're saying, I, I, I really can't live for God until I get this settled. Maybe just fear in the future. 
Maybe it's, it's fear for your family. What, 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 what is it that, that the evil one could use to keep you from doing 2014 right? And as you write that down, I, write down that passage, at least the reference, Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not tremble or be dismayed. Why? For I will be with you always. And then make a commitment in your heart that, that when you encounter that fear, and, and, and it's now <laughs> do or die, Decide to choose to trust God. I say, God, even, even though I'm, my emotions are raging at the moment, and I'm, I, I'm feeling the emotion of fear, I'm going to choose to be courageous, which simply says I'm going to do the right thing, whether I feel like it or not. See, that's what faith is. Faith is, is not that feeling in which you're so assured that nothing's going to go wrong. Uh, th- there are times you, God might flood your heart and soul with that. But fear is, is not living your life based on your feelings. But it's living life based on, you, on what you know is true about God and what he wants you to do, and by faith choosing to do what God wants you to do. And it can be in big things, or it can be in very little things. But it's simply choosing not to let your emotions change the direction God wants to move you. I'm only going to touch on one other part of this passage, and then we'll, we'll pick up from it next week. Begin the new year right. Number one, living without fear. Secondly, living with power. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Now, that really energizes the choice of doing what God wants you and I and us to do. It's interesting, the word power, it's, it's the word that's often used for power. It's the word dunamis, from which we get the word dynamite. You've probably heard that from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall see power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, uh, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and in the most parts of the earth. And, and God can use you anywhere, wherever you are right now, and wherever he wants to send you. And that power, it's not just uncontrolled power. It's, it's power used in constructive, productive ways. It's, it's energy under control. And what God is, is saying to us as we begin the new year, as Paul was saying to Timothy, who was being rather timid at that moment, he says, I, I want you to stir up what you're able to do and understand that God will energize you to do what needs to be done. Because it's one thing to make the choice, and it's another thing to be empowered to accomplish what God wants you to do. 
know, there's so many verses that we could turn on that. Well, the one I really particularly uh, appreciate is found in, in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, which says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. There are so many things that the, the world kind of imitates to what the Bible has to say. Uh, a number of years ago, probably a number of decades ago, it became very popular to talk about the power of positive thinking. You know, if you can, if you can you know, think that you can do it, then you can do it. Well, there are some limits to that. I, there's all kinds of things I thought I could do that <laughs> found out later, you know, a few broken bones later, that, you know, that's not what I could do. I mean, I, I, I usually think pretty positively. But beyond positive thinking, there's positive believing. And it's, it's not the power to do the, you know, the, you know, the physical challenges that we sometimes try to put ourselves in or, or try to accomplish. It's, it's the power to live a life that makes a difference. That that reaches out and cares for people that no one else wants to care for. It's the power to say no to a lifestyle that you've lived for so many years you can't remember when you didn't live that way. It's the power to forgive when you you don't want to forgive. It's the power to show love when when the person does not love in return. It's the power to make those scary choices. It's that power in which Paul says, if I were to describe to you, it's it's exceeding power. No, that's not enough. It's exceeding abundant power. No, it's not just exceeding, but it's beyond all that you can imagine or think. You know, I think most of us can think a lot about a lot of things. And God says, this is so immense that it's beyond even imagination how sufficient I am for you. Let's begin the year right. Let's begin the year right by saying, God, I'm not going to be controlled by my emotions, my fears. There are healthy fears, and and then there are unhealthy fears. And the unhealthy fears are the fears that keep you from doing what you know God wants you to do. And I I know that fear is not from Him. And I choose not to live that way. And and then God, as I I make that choice, when I'm now in the midst of the battle, and and, and now all of a sudden I realize how limited I am. God, I don't want to go through life just on my own strength. I want to go on that power that dwells within me. The power of the living God. That that spiritual dimension that only is experienced by the follower of Jesus. That is explosive in its energy and sufficient in its capacity. Let's begin the year right. Living without fear and living in the power of the Spirit of God who indwells His people. Let's pray.
Father, each of us have challenges that we have experienced uh, this past year in 2013, and, and we're facing challenges in 2014, and, and also just opportunities as well. And Father, we want to begin the year believing what is true, that you have gifted us with that which is sufficient for us to live the kind of lives that, that make a difference. Father, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you in a personal way, I pray they, they might come to that point where they admit their need and turn from that which is wrong in their life, their sin. Believe that Jesus fully paid the penalty for their sins and rose again. And then make a commitment to follow Jesus as their leader, their Lord, their God, their supreme being in their life, their Savior, the one who takes away their sin, and follow Him. It's just a commitment away. And Father, when we remember now at the Lord's table, as we receive the the bread and the cup, and as we self-serve and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, that's the power of the resurrection that took a life that was dead and brought life. That that's the power that you want us to experience. Help us to celebrate the living Christ as we continue to worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.